Hello, welcome to Workplace Wake Up. I'm Jen Shaw. Every week, I spend about 15 minutes covering legal developments, introducing you to interesting guests, and providing some entertainment to start your workday. All right, everyone, we have a hot topic today. Pay data reporting. This is a deadline for April 1st, 2022. It's a deadline set by the Department of Fair Employment and Housing and the California Legislature for, quote, large employers. How do we define large employers? Well, we have Erica Frank from our office here today to talk about that because it's a little more tricky than you might think. We just had a webinar on this topic. Actually, we have a partnership with the DFEH, as many of you might know, and we talked about these issues. And Adam Romero from the DFEH did a great job going through with us sort of how this whole requirement works. But there is a deadline, and this is not something you can procrastinate on. You've got to get this done. So, Erica, what do we really want everyone to know today about this rule? Yeah, so this should be a repeat, a little bit of a deja vu from last year, because the first time that employers had to comply was last year. Um, And it is an annual reporting, so it is due, as Jen said, April 1st, 2022. It applies or requires private employers with 100 or more employees. And within that 100 or more employees, at least one employee needs to be in California, must report in its very specific pay and other data to the DFEH. Now, a lot of employers already file their annual report with the EEOC, the EEO report. The DFEH's report takes it just a step higher, a little bit bigger one notch higher, I should say. And unfortunately, the reporting tracks are not the same. So you have those separate reporting requirements, which is is never great. Um, You know, it's not like some other situations, but here California does have it separate. And as Jen mentioned, um, the DFEH has really done a good job of educating employers. Their website is very helpful with FAQs um, that they can follow. Jen, what are some of the highlights that you and Adam Ramirez talked about during your webinar? So one of the big ones is who reports to or works in California, right? This is one of those remote work issues. And obviously you addressed it in the webinar you did earlier this year, Erica. Yeah. There are a lot of rules about remote workers and who counts as a California employee. And there are are FAQs on the DFEH's website that talk about what is an establishment. It's an economic unit. And it could even be virtual, right? It could be a group of virtual employees um, who don't even have an office, like a brick and mortar office. So it's really important for you all to figure out, all right, do we have an establishment in California? Do we have at least one employees working there? And you're only going to be reporting on the California employees. But as Adam made clear um, when we did our webinar, sometimes it's easier to just report on everybody because that's what you do for your EEO1 reporting that's required by the EEOC. So sometimes that's just an easier way to do it. So we talked a lot about that. We also talked about the categories and how to identify the sex, the race, the ethnicity, the pay band, 
There are several FAQs on this issue that are on the DFEH's website. And I've got to give props to the DFEH on this one. They've done a great job, honestly, with the portal. They've got templates. There's a CSV template and an Excel template. All of our clients are using the Excel template. It's just a lot easier, I think. The CSV is a little bit more complex. Um, But we talked a lot about that. And then I think what I really want our listeners to know, Erica, is this takes time. You've got to have a dedicated person in the organization who's going to own this process. So it can't be, well, let's just have everybody do it for their own individual departments and we'll compile the data on March 31st and we'll get this done. You're, you're going to need to really, um, you're going to really need to take some time to allocate resources and think about how you're going to meet this requirement. Many of you, by the way, didn't meet the requirement for 2021, which was for the 2020 year uh, because of the pandemic. We were all pulling our hair out. And of course, now we have new things to pull our hair out about. Um, <laughs> but the reality is, you know, we we have to do this. It's not voluntary reporting. And you will get a letter from the DFEH if you don't do it. Some of you probably already got a letter for uh, your 2021 reporting. So Erica, there are a lot of details here that people need to think about. There are. And like you said before, the DFEH website has a lot of helpful information. They really tried to make this as user-friendly as possible. Um, there is a portal that employers are going to have to upload their data to. So it's not something uh, you need a computer. You need to become familiar with the system. And as Jen said, it's not something that you can just do on the eve of March 31st. It's certainly something that requires some accounting and record keeping um, to make sure that you're filling all the boxes correctly. Um, And of course, too, it might be confusing. Um, Of course, there is always room for error. And correct me if I'm wrong, Jen, but the DFH is really looking for an employer's good faith effort of complying with this requirement. Absolutely. And Adam made that clear in the webinar. This is not meant to be a gotcha. It's not meant to be we're trying to catch employers who have done something wrong. It really is part of the DFH's commitment to prevention preventing harassment, discrimination, and retaliation, and really making sure that they are helping employers who may unwittingly, unknowingly be creating a situation where they've got pay data issues. I mean, one of the reasons why we do audits for clients in this area is that they really often have a feeling that there's something wrong, but they're not really sure where it's coming from or how it came about. So when we do an audit, we go in and we look at, all right, what are all the folks in each of these uh, positions making? How are you determining their pay? How are their increases determined? You know, what are your requirements for the position? All of those things are really important. And I think something that a lot of employers may have a sense isn't going the way it should, but they don't really know what to do about it. So an audit actually really helps. The other thing about an audit, of course, is it's attorney-client privilege. So you don't have to reveal the results of the audit. You get to find out before the DFEH calls you to say you've got something amiss or a plaintiff's lawyer notices that there might be a problem. And that's something we actually mentioned on our previous podcast when we were talking about equal pay, of the importance of auditing and really taking a look at your payroll practices and who's getting paid what and and are there is there a need to make any adjustments so that you are fulfilling your equal pay requirements, which is in part 
where this DFEH reporting came to be, it really was on the heels of the equal pay movement, particularly in California. Well, and one of the things I think that's hard here, Erica, is that employers feel overwhelmed. They feel like there's a lot going on and they have a lot they need to take care of. And I'm not going to minimize that. There's a lot to do. I feel that in running our law firm, Mm -hmm. making sure that people are being treated fairly and that I've dotted my I's and crossed my T's. So certainly it's an understandable concern that folks have. And I think one of the things that employers really need to understand is the more you're willing to look at your processes with a critical eye to identify your opportunity areas, not just to say, you know, we're going to gloss it over and I'm sure everything's fine. A lot of times I think that happens because we don't want to be blamed for something. And in an organization where there's more of a blame mentality, we're, we're trying to run from that. So one of the reasons we want you to create an, an environment where people can speak up and they can work collaboratively to solve problems is compliance, right? Mm-hmm. When you know there's an issue or, or you think there might be an issue and you do an audit to figure it out, everyone has to be on the same page. Look, mistakes were made. We need to move on. Let's figure out how to solve the problem and let's get in the right place. So that's the value of these kinds of laws. I mean, one way to look at it is it's another burden Um, you know, and it's frustrating and I get all that. I'm not downplaying it, but it's here. You're not going to get rid of it. If you're subject to the rule, you're going to have to comply with it. So let's find the silver lining when we can. Correct. And just a couple of highlights before we close out for employers, just to keep in mind a few nuggets for them to take away from listening to this is the DFEH reporting requirements are different from EEO1. You can't use the same document. Um, they're looking for different data. So that's certainly something you need to plan in your reporting calendar, for lack of a better word. There are pay bans that the employer should use for the state pay reporting. Um, they are randomly, you know, I don't know if there was any rhyme or reason to the DFEH coming up with these particular pay bans, um, but they are there for you on the website. Uh, So I can't emphasize enough. I know I've said that already, uh, but it is a little bit daunting when you first look at it, but once you get through it, and as Jen mentioned, um, a lot of employers are using the Excel spreadsheet, and there's even an FAQ on that if you're having trouble uploading the Excel spreadsheet as well. well that's absolutely right, Eric. And there is this user's manual, which has a table of contents. It goes through everything step by step. Um, there also is an email address where you can email the DFEH and you can ask some additional questions. Now, remember, they can't give you legal advice but they can certainly answer general questions about what's going on. So, you know, Eric and I want all of you to really understand, we know it's a burden, but it is what it is. So let's get in front of it. I mean, that's one of the things our law firm is really focused on. Let's get in front of any particular or potential issues so we can wrap this up. Erica, thanks for joining me here today. This is a really important topic. We hope all of you found this helpful and better get to planning. Thanks, Jen. If you enjoyed this episode and would like to spread the word, please share it with others, post about it on social media, and or rate and review it. Of course, you can also follow us on LinkedIn, Facebook, and Twitter, and email us at info at 
Workplace Wake Up, including its guests and hosts, do not provide legal advice in this podcast. Do not act upon any of the information discussed in this podcast without consulting a licensed attorney in your jurisdiction.